this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host g sampath the mahatma gandhi national rural employment guarantee act mgnre ga promises 100 days of wage based employment every year to rural households across the country as per independent reports demand for work under this scheme has been increasing but in the 2023-24 union budget the government has slashed allocation for this scheme to 61032.65 crores which is 30% less than the revised estimate of rupees 89154 crores for 2223 this is the lowest ever allocation as a percentage of the gdp amounting to less than 0.2%. So this is the second straight cut for MG and REGA because last year also the allocation was cut by about 25%. So what are the government's justifications for these budget cuts? How do they relate to ground realities given that grassroots activists have been saying for some time that rupees 2.72 lakh crore is the minimum budget needed? Is there a danger of demand suppression through insufficient budgeting we explore all these questions and more in this episode of in focus and we have with us today siraj datta a jharkhand based human rights activist siraj thank you so much for joining us thank you hello so siraj uh, the government has given three reasons for the budget cuts uh, in this year for the mgnrega scheme Uh, let's look at them one by one so first of all it says that the allocations have been substantially increased to the pm awas yojana gramin and the jal jeevan mission so the pm awas yojana is getting 79000 and a half crores and the jal jeevan mission is getting about 70000 crores both of which are of course much higher than mgnreg allocations and the government's justification basically is that rural workers can actually get jobs and work under these schemes because anyway you won't be able to spend so much money without getting more workers to work under these schemes so if you can't find job under mgnrg you always got this avas yojana and this jal jeevan mission so there's no problem so are you convinced by this justification see the i think three things to this first is that pm avas if we take rural that's pm avas gramin So what you said was the total PM Awas. If we take out the urban component, then the Grameen, the rural PM Awas got about fifty thousand crores, and the revised budget of last year was forty-four thousand crores. Similarly, Jal Mission got got also a hike of about fourteen thousand crores compared to the revised budget. So in simple mathematical terms, if you see the hike in Awas and Jal Mission compared to the revised budget, it's about Twenty thousand crores, and the rega is down by twenty nine thousand crores. So, in simple math terms, also it doesn't fit in. So that's the first thing. The second is we have to understand that these three programs are quite different. Like Awas and uh, Rural Jal Jeevan Mission, these are material intensive schemes and also to a large extent target based. Jal Mission is completely contractor driven scheme. like tenders are issued contractors get the tender and then they do the work so it has all the issues that narega at one point had tried to address now awas is like if you see in a panchayat you have about 40 to 50 odd number of 
AVA scheme going on at a time, like the whole year actually. And one scheme has about 95% days. And in this, it's mostly the owner of the AVAs whose family works for a longer duration. And then additionally, four or five workers get work for about an odd number of days. What do you mean by owner of the AVAs? Like the AVAs, uh, the person in whose name the AVAs has been sanctioned, that family. They also, in most cases, they also work in their own scheme. They're building the house. And they get the master roll issued in their name only. And then they pay the workers in cash. And additionally, there are four or five workers who get about 10 to 12 odd number of days work. So the, And these are material intensive schemes. So the scale of work is definitely not as significant as to, you know, adjust for the decrease in Narega budget. And we also need to understand that, as I was saying, that Jal Jeevan machine is completely contractor-driven and this PM Awas Yojana is a very beneficiary-oriented material-intensive scheme where everything depends on the scheme owner. What do you mean material-intensive, Siraj? Can you please expand on that? Sure. So, in these two schemes, it's largely... There are two components of a scheme, right? Major components. One is that the labor component where you know, the amount of labor that would be required, the work that laborers will get. And then there's the material that's required for building that scheme. For example, in Navas, you have bricks, cement, and all that, all those materials. So in building a house, you have a significant material uh, focus. Like the budget includes more of material than labor. Similarly, Jal Jeevan machine is also more of material than labor. Whereas in Narega Act, it's clearly, it clearly says that at least 60% of the money should be spent on uh, labor. So what you're saying in effect is that unlike Narega, this Avas Yojana and Jaljivan Mission, a, a bigger chunk of whatever is allocated is going to be spent on materials rather than going as wages to workers. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And interestingly, I think uh, one interesting fact which is often missed is that what they have done is that in PM Avas, they have done a convergence with Narega. So the most of the labor component of PM Awas is actually money taken out from the Narega budget. So for every house, you have 95% days which comes from Narega. So it, these two schemes and one more thing that I was saying earlier that the biggest one of the biggest issues is that as they are contractor driven or person oriented schemes, in most of them, workers are not paid minimum wages, which at least, like, when I say minimum wages, like, even Narega wage or the state minimum wage, which at least in Narega, the workers get the Narega wage, but here, they get significantly less than even what Narega wage is. At least, that's what we see in Jharkhand. Okay. So, so basically, what you're saying is that, A, it's not going to be able to accommodate so many people who may not get uh, Narega work because, A, it's a material-driven scheme, unlike Narega, which is labor-driven. And secondly, even when they are employed, uh, because it's contractor-driven, uh, they are not going to get even, forget minimum is not even Narega. So, these are both uh, really uh, big concerns here. And just, just one more thing. I'll just add one more. Yeah. It's simple, simple thing that the increase in Awas and Jalmishan is, is less than the decrease in Narega. And if we consider the labor component of Awas and Jalmishan, then it would be worse off, even in terms of simple math. So 
I think they're just trying to juggle numbers here. Right, yeah. So you're saying even in terms of pure allocation, forget about how much who gets paid what. Even in terms of simple allocation, the increases in these two do not uh, cover the decrease in Narega. Yes, uh, that that's of course uh, an important point to be noted. Now moving on to the second reason which the government has said uh, in justification for the cuts, it is that if there is higher demand, let us say, uh, from people who cannot be accommodated in. Even these two schemes, let's say Avas Yojana and uh, Jaljivan Mission, and also the existing uh, scale of work under existing allocation, there is no problem because through the year, in the rest of the year, it can always give higher allocations for Narega as they have done in the previous years as well. So there's no problem if the budget allocation is less now. So is this a valid reason according to you? See, I think. The answer of this lies in if we see the experience of last few years. Every year, if you would go back, the budget—I mean, the budget estimate—is less. And then, in the first six months, about I mean, a significant—I mean, most of the budget is spent, money is spent. Then there's a demand for additional allocation, and it's not a simple demand. I mean, workers have to hit the street. Civil society people also do halla hangama. opposition states write letters and after all this and a few months then maybe 3 or 4 months later some money is allocated which is of course less than the demand but additional funds are allocated so it's not a as seamless thing as they kind of are suggesting that you know today we realize that the budget is less and tomorrow we'll allocate more money no it's a thing of that takes quite a few months and quite a bit of halla hangama to even get that done so that's the first thing so that definitely is a concern the second thing is that you know the current funding system that they have where uh, which we may discuss later on that it's all centralized and they kind of uh, approve these fund orders on a regular basis and they allocate like if a state has been i mean a certain budget has been approved for a state they give that amount in three or four tranches in the whole year so once a certain amount of money is spent for that uh, state so going to the next tranche itself is also a matter of at least a few weeks if not months because then the whole process of you know uh, utilization certificates getting approval and all so it definitely is not you know seamless and third i think the most important point is that the message here is very clear like when they start with such a low budget it's a clear message that one is not supposed to spend on narega and open works interestingly in the past couple of years like in villages it's so one gets to hear this so much that you know because the funds get over and then there's no fund couple of for a couple of months so even workers say that narega to abhi band hai you know that's what they are told by the frontline functionaries so we don't know if narega is going on we the work is not opening because there's no fund so now the message is clear that you are not supposed to open works you're not supposed to, supposed to spend and hence in the long run this is just going to stifle narega right i think you made some three very very important points here about uh, about this line of argument which has been coming from the finance ministry that you know why 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 is why is so much worry because if there is a shortfall we will always increase allocation one you said this doesn't happen automatically people have to hit the streets protest etc 
And secondly, even when it uh, does happen, it is not seamless. There is delay. There is bureaucratic red tape. You know, and thirdly, the most important factor, I think, is the messaging, the message you are sending out by saying that, you know, okay, there is no money here. So therefore, you know, let's not do too much of these things, you know, too many initiatives for uh, Narega related work. I think the messaging is, I think, the, the biggest factor possibly if this is indeed uh, what is happening. Now, going to the third justification which the government has given. I think this is, I think, the big picture which which the government has tried to, tried to establish, which is that. Uh, with the recovery from the pandemic, uh, which is more or less complete, which is what the government is claiming, the economy is set for a nominal growth of 10%, which is actually not bad. And this in turn means that labor will be migrating back to urban areas, to the cities, looking for jobs. And Narega is a rural employment guarantee program. So there really is, is going to be not much of demand. Demand is going to go down. So if demand is going to go down, then, of course, it makes sense to reduce allocation as well. So, how do you uh, view this justification that the economy is going to do well? Of course, we know that Narega was very, very uh, critical in sort of ensuring livelihood support for uh, rural workers during the pandemic. And now the pandemic is over, the economy is back on a growth track and people will be migrating to the cities. So, therefore, budgetary allocation has been reduced. See, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I'll just start with one thing like uh, job. Dres, Professor John Dres gave this comment yesterday. I mean, it's a very simple thing. If the economy is growing like this, it's, it's supposed to grow like this, then the logical thing is to spend more on social security for people. But then one doesn't see that happening anyway. So, and the government has only reduced social security. So, coming back to your question, I think, yeah, three, four things. First is that, yes, pandemic was an exceptional time where workers came back most of them and yeah they needed work but we need to understand even in normal times like from Dhakan when we see it's I mean significant number of workers migrate but here it's mainly youth women also do I mean men largely men women also go but it's largely youth but you have women middle-aged people in villages who need work and the demand and need for work is very much there so let me give you an example like before pandemic, the example of demand, like in 2016 in Jharkhand, if you see Jharkhand over the last 10 years, the total, more or less, the total work has been uh, around 500 per, a lakh percentage, the total work generated in Narega per year. It's about 500 lakh percentage on an average. But 2016, if you see, if you go to the data, you see that 1670 suddenly jumped up to some 700 or something. The only reason it happened because 1516 there was a large-scale planning campaign, and 1617 there was significant initiative by the bureaucracy to open works across villages. So people were waiting for work, and the moment they decided to open work across villages, people just started working. So and that's why you see that, and that was before COVID. So that I would say that the need for work is very much there. But the question is whether work is available or not. And that's where the second point comes that, you know, I mean, the central government is also creating conditions for workers to stop looking for work in Narega. 
And for example, Narega is now essentially a supply-driven scheme. I mean, it's only demand-driven on paper. And you don't give funds, adequate funds, you don't give funds on time. Works are not open. And then the uncertainty in wage payments, even after 17 years of the act, it continues to be a big issue. So these are conditions for low demand and also wage rate. We'll discuss that later on. So that's why workers are, to some extent, workers are also getting tired of Narega. And it's only because of the government that has created these conditions. And third, going back to this whole city thing, I'll just add one thing, like, see, the neoliberal government wants cheap labor that can be exploited for its factories, infrastructure, and urban needs. But the working conditions in cities remain as ironically even after the pandemic, when it was all over the news and media about all these workers' issues. But the working conditions remain equally bad even now, like minimum wages, basic working conditions, social security. There's been no change. I mean, at least that's not what we see. So had the government ensured even 100 days of work, certainty in wage payments and decent wages, I mean, many actually would not go to cities for work. So effectively, I would say that the government does not want to ensure Narega in letter and spirit. Because end of the day, it needs cheap labor in cities and for its factories. And that's where it's a larger question of uh, how the government is exploiting labor and be it rural Narega workers or migrant workers. Yeah. Right. I think that's uh, that's something I think people have been talking about for a while. Is the fact that what you said, Narega is a demand-driven act or a scheme only on paper. In effect, it's become a supply-driven a kind of a situation uh, because of uh, uncertainty over payments, uncertainty over availability of 100 days of work. And uh, no, there is this general tendency or inclination to sort of slowly roll it back in whatever way. Now, if you look at the government figures, it, it does seem to indicate, however, that the demand for Narega work is not that great. You know, uh, some 11.4% or whatever is what we are getting. Is there any under-reporting of demand for Narega work according to you, perhaps due to the manner in which uh, data on demand is being collected through whatever digitized, centralized means? See, the first thing is that this demand for work that the government presents and thus captured in the MIS is complete farce. So, they are, yeah, first is what we have been discussing. It starts with limited budget and not releasing funds on time. So basically, when you are not giving funds on time, so the work stops on ground. So people need work, but they can't get work. And they are told that the message is clear that abhi to narega band hai, abhi fund nahi hai. And that's why people are not even demanding work because that's the message in the system. Second is, the process right now is that if people give a demand for work, then Either you enter that in the system at that point, or you enter it when you have to open a scheme. And this is what generally happens. So it is completely supply-driven. So I don't think that this whole... Sirai, let me stop you there to clarify one thing. So you are saying, so the, the system doesn't record the demand for work when there is a demand for work, but it only records it when a scheme has been started and demand comes in. Yeah. That's the general, barring exception, that's the general thing. 
So if there is no scheme because there is no fund, then there is no way that no way to record that there is demand, but without any way of addressing the demand. Exactly. Okay. And and as I said that demand itself, I mean the government is creating conditions for low demand. I mean that is also there. So that message is quite clear. Right, no, no. These conditions for low demand, which you you've explained so well, that is one thing. But a slightly different issue here is, of course, underreporting of demand. I mean, you 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 create conditions for low demand, okay, and so so demand reduces. But then there is still whatever residual demand, which is much more than what is reported because you are underreporting in whatever way. So that is, I mean, two different issues, but related. Exactly, people wait for work to open in their villages. I mean, and the moment work opens i mean they won't work in that scheme so as many works open and then as many people get work and then that kind of enters as demand and work in the system okay so what is the status right now in terms of uh, wa- pending wages and wage payment delays i mean we've heard like horror stories of like months and months of uh, delays and payments coming out in whatever fractional fashion so is it like what is it like right now so yeah i checked so, Narega data, I mean, the total pendency is about 10, 11,000 crores. It includes wage and material. Wages, it seems at least 4,000 crores are pending. And in fact, it can be more because there are two different types of data on MIS, and yeah, it's a bit, uh, they've made it a bit complicated, this whole piece. And interestingly, this delay, I mean, for all the technology that they have used and promoted in Narega, it is still not possible know the exact delay or proportion of delay from their website so the what we can know is that 55 percent of wage transactions which happened in the state second stage so the in wage payment you have basically two stages the first stage is where at the block or state level the the work is done and the fund transfer order is approved that's the first stage and the second stage is that when this fund transfer order goes to the ministry and then they clear it in their own system and the bank so the data on the website says that 55% of the transactions in the second stage took more than seven days to clear in this uh, financial year. So the, what they've allocated, they've allocated eight days for the stage one, like the state and the block should do all their thing in, at, at the max eight days. And then the ministry should complete their processes in seven days. But their own data is suggesting that 55% of transactions took more than seven days to clear. Now, we don't know in this, like, what proportion of transactions took months or 30 days or two months because they have kind of, they don't show that data. Yeah, I'll just add one thing uh, that uh, in this year itself, like the funds for Jharkhand stopped thrice during the year once for about two months, once for about a month, and then again for about about a month and a half. So yeah, so those delays don't even come in the calculation. For example, West Bengal, I mean, it's all in the news. I mean, they have not been paid since a year. So, so speaking of these wage payments, I mean, aren't there two kinds of uh, wage payments? One is, of course, uh, wages for the work you've done. But under Narega, aren't you also supposed to get some kind of uh, payment if you don't get work, unemployment, allowance or something like that? What about those payments? Are they happening? If, if you're getting only 40 days out of 100, for the remaining 60 days, you should get some kind of payment, right? Yeah, yeah. So there are actually 
Nadeva Gokar had two basic rights. The one is compensation for delaying wage payments. So if you don't get wages in 15 days, the worker is supposed to get compensation. The compensation amount is minuscule, like a 0.05% per day of the total amount of wages pending. So where do we stand on the payment of compensation and what is the delay there? Yeah, I think only about 1.5% of the total delay compensation has been paid in this financial year. And interestingly, I'll just add one thing. So as I said, that wage payment has two components, one at the state level and then at the ministry level. The delay compensation even now calculates is based on only the delay at the state level. It does not take into account the delay that the ministry does. And even in that minuscule amount, they have approved only 1.5% odd uh, delay compensation for workers. So that means there is no ins- there is no incentive for the center not to delay the payments. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and smartly, I mean, the irony is that because of the technological system that they have set up, they can smartly get off by lying and by yeah, just uh, showing people something which is not really happening. Okay, we are running out of time, Siraj. So one final question uh, where we can probably look at uh, a larger issue very briefly. There are two uh, two broader trends which we have observed with Narega over the last seven, eight years, if not longer, uh, which is that one is, it was, it was originally conceived as a decentralized scheme where you sort of established accountability through using gram panchayats and block development offices as the nodal centers for administration. If you're not getting paid, if you're not getting work, you can actually go uh, where you are, the nearest gram panchayat office, and then you can demand whatever you need. But now uh, there seems to be a lot of uh, centralization with a lot of decision-making centered, uh, concentrated in the hands of the rural development ministry, which can sort of turn the spigot off or on uh, whenever, you know, in terms of funds and so on. And at the same time, one of the enablers of this centralization seems to be technological intermediation. You've got app-based attendance, you've got this management information software. So how exactly are these two broad trends playing out from the workers' perspective? Yeah, I'll try to, we have less time, so I'll try to kind of be brief here, but it's very important. Like this whole process of uh, use of technology and centralization kind of started in 2012 itself, but it definitely gained a lot of pace under this government. So before 2012, as you rightly said, the money used to go to the panchayat's account and the panchayat would get the work done. And then this whole process was manual, manual musters and everything. And then after the work, the information was updated on the MIS. It was post facto. Since 2012, they introduced this uh, technology electronic fund management system, basically where they introduced a real-time MIS. They connected the whole implementation process to the MIS. So now every process of implementation, be it uh, capturing demand, issuing a master role, fund transfer, everything is electronic over the computer and internet. Now, the first thing that they did that funds were centralized eventually from panchayat to state and now to the central level. And now because of this real-time MIS, this technology, anyone sitting in Delhi like a bureaucrat can control day-to-day operations of how the program is being implemented on ground. 
and to some extent the states also kind of control it so basically workers for whom the act was conceived and panchayats who are closest to the workers have now little control on the program so i'll just add two three things first is that this fund centralization technology it is it is helping the ministry to ration the insufficient budget so basically they can turn off the tap whenever they want and they can turn it on for different states in different amount whenever they want that's the first thing second is that this daily operations as i said ministry can stop any implementation process for example they recently uh, started this thing that only 20 schemes can be implemented like ongoing schemes can be allowed in a panchayat at a time so basically they put a cap they basically check some check box in their computer system and then yeah even if workers wanted work master roll could not be issued on more than 20 schemes similarly states have also started doing it like they have started controlling they can control like from rachi a bureaucrat can, can control on which scheme material expenditure is to be done so they can close other schemes so essentially the ministry and the bureaucracy has kind of become a you know a puppet master who control workers through their digital checks now the other aspect of technology is that you know rectification of glitches or reversing some process can only be done at the state in some cases at the central level and in very few cases at the state level but nothing at the panchayat or block level so now basically something is not happening the frontline functionaries straight away you know tell the workers that mis nahi ho raha hai that's a standard response and workers also say that only abhi to mis nahi ho raha hai so essentially this whole i'm not going into wage payments process tech, uh, the technical issues because that will take some time but those problems also there like rejected payments which have added to uncertainty in wage payments so basically what it has done is that it has made narega like it has reduced accountability of the frontline functionaries people who are supposed to be accountable to workers workers don't know where to seek accountability and the second is that for all this uh, you know rhetoric of transparency effectively this technology has reduced transparency for workers it is now virtually impossible for workers to navigate this whole maze and demand accountability so in the long run it has reduced transparency accountability and also yeah rectification technical rectification it has all become difficult i'll just go on to this app thing that you said it's just one of the examples of how technology has affected narega interestingly something that should be brought out is that two years ago ministry started sim- a similar thing for schemes it started geotagging of schemes it made it mandatory that whenever a scheme is started it is to be photo stamped and geotagged thrice in its whole cycle once in the beginning then in the middle and then in the end the whole idea was that you know it's corruption and then if we geotag and put a photograph of the scheme then it can stop now if you go to the website and see any take up any random scheme and you see all kinds of random photographs so basically it's virtually impossible for someone in delhi or rachi to check photos of schemes of lakhs of schemes now not learning from that the ministry has done a similar thing with workers which is this 
mobile app thing, which I mean is completely based on a flawed logic that someone is supposed to sit and you know check whether the workers in the photograph is similar to the workers who worked. I mean that's a basic flaw in this whole idea, apart from all technical flaws. Yeah. Right. I think there are a lot of uh, things going on here. I think the bottom line is, as you said, Narega is not getting the kind of uh, funding and interest from the government as it should. And it is able to do so without any kind of accountability as well. So the fund transfer technology has, as you said, taken away the power to demand accountability from the worker and handed it over, so to speak. Uh, to the babus at the state level, babus at the center level who can turn the tap on or off in real time on a day-to-day basis, where, which also leaves the frontline administrators completely without any accountability to the people they are supposed to serve, which is the workers. I think this is really a worrying thing. But within the larger framework, within the, the big picture of where the government seems to be not at all that enthusiastic about Narega, I think this sort of uh, fits that pattern. Thank you so much, Siraj, for joining us and sharing your uh, insights from your ground level involvement uh, in terms of advocacy of Narega and all the related concerns. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.